Well, good morning. It is good to be back with you here at CFC. And although it was a little bit of a a last-minute invitation from uh, Pastor Lucas, I'm thankful that I was able to respond to him when uh, he uh, said to me, Be thou my vision Um, uh, here this morning. Uh, I don't think in quite the same way as we sing in that wonderful hymn, but uh, certainly are praying for Pastor Lucas during his recovery from the eye surgery. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to open God's Word together with you this morning, and even as we have already uh, asked for uh, the Lord's guidance and His voice through it, I would invite you again to bow your heads and hearts with me as we pray. Father, we do thank you for the gift of this good day. It is a gift from you. And as we gather here in your name, having exalted your name in song, having remembered the sacrifice of Christ and the salvation that we share around the table of communion, we once again now open your word. We pray that you would give us attentive ears that you would give us soft and ready hearts, that you would instruct us, and that you would continue your good work of conforming us, even this day, in greater measure to the image and the likeness of Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, it's certainly hard to believe that we are only four days away from Thanksgiving once again this year. It seems to creep up on us. Uh, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like it gets uh, closer and closer together year after year. And of course, it's a a, a wonderful uh, holiday celebration. It is a holiday that is steeped in uh, much rich tradition. It is a time where many of us will be enjoying getting together with family or friends or loved ones. Perhaps some are preparing to travel even great distances to be with family members. I actually have my mom is going to be coming in from England, arriving on Tuesday, and uh, uh, she likes to come out for Thanksgiving. And They don't uh, celebrate a Thanksgiving day specifically in the UK, and so she spends Thanksgiving with us before heading back home to spend Christmas with the uh, rest of, uh, of our family. It, it's a wonderful time. Of course, Thanksgiving is often steeped in in all sorts of family traditions as well, but at the center of most of our Thanksgiving celebration is, of course, food. I don't know if you're aware of this, but apparently uh, across the United States, Americans consume about 690 million pounds of turkey at Thanksgiving. And some of us, by the time we get to next Sunday, are going to feel like we have had almost 690 million pounds ourselves. But in fact, that is nationwide. We gather around the table for the meal. We uh, perhaps have a tradition of getting up and watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, Maybe in your family, you like to switch on the television and uh, glue yourself to the football games. Uh, maybe you're one of those strange people who gets out and does a turkey trot and you actually do something healthy on Thanksgiving. I don't know. But children for probably weeks in our schools have been learning about that first Thanksgiving. 
uh, um, and uh, uh, many have perhaps been learning about the Thanksgiving proclamation that Abraham Lincoln gave. Thanksgiving looks a little different from family to family, but it is steeped with many rich things. But one of the things that is particularly interesting is that though we set this day aside that we call Thanksgiving the one thing that increasingly Thanksgiving seems to not be about is Thanksgiving. And we may think to ourselves, well, that's not true in my family because we take time to to pray before the meal. We take time to go around and have everybody say what they're thankful for, and that's a tradition that many families have. Again, uh, uh, the surveys that are done by these various different groups, they tell us that this year, once again, that people are most thankful for family and friends, for good health, and for employment. And those things are all good to be thankful for. But the great challenge when it comes into our thanksgiving is that while we may profess a thankfulness for certain things in our life, so easily we forget who it is that we are thankful to. And so as Pastor Lucas asked me to come and to open the word together with you this morning, I felt that as we find ourselves but four days from Thanksgiving, that it was appropriate that we turn to one of the Psalms of Thanksgiving that we find in the Psalter. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, I certainly hope you do. I want to encourage you to turn with me now to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. As we'll see in a moment, it's a psalm of David. And as we, uh, as we dig into this passage of scripture together, I want us to consider a question that for some of us may seem very simplistic. For those of us who have been around the church for any period of time, it might seem quite rudimentary. But why is it that God and God alone is worthy of our thanksgiving? Why is it that our God and he alone is worthy of our thanksgiving so that whether it be this coming Thursday or hopefully every moment of every day, that our thanksgiving is directed to him, our great and glorious God. In the words of Psalm 138, with the inscription simply of David, we read these words. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. 
You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. It's a beautiful psalm, a psalm of thanksgiving. And as David penned this some 3,000 years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we look at this passage and immediately we see that we should give thanks to God for his love and his faithfulness. He starts off by simply stating, I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. And we see that that David is coming before God with an undivided devotion. He uh, describes his thanksgiving to God as being a wholehearted thanksgiving. And this, this term, whole heart, is one that we see frequently, especially throughout the Old Testament, and is usually set in contrast with a divided heart. Or to think of it in terms of the way that Jesus spoke to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, you'll remember he he said that no one can serve two masters. Uh, To serve two masters is to have a divided heart. It is to have our allegiances spread in opposing opposite directions. It's interesting that this is David who is penning this because he is frequently referred to as, as being a, a man after God's own heart. And in fact, a part of the description is made not only of David, but later of his son Solomon, had to do with the state of their hearts. Whereas David was one who was wholehearted in his obedience, in his worship, in his thanksgiving to God at the end of Solomon's life, Solomon being David's son, tragically says that his heart was divided. His heart was divided and he did not follow the Lord fully as his father David had done. So David, as he begins this psalm of thanksgiving, he does so with an undivided heart. He acknowledges that he is giving thanks to his God as a unified person, that every part of him is responding and engaged in this worship to God. And of course, we see this word frequently uh, through the scriptures, but uh, uh, note that, that David is specific in who it is that he's giving his thanks to. He says, I give you thanks, O Lord, And in our English translations, that word Lord is capitalized. It helps us to see that behind this English word is the the Hebrew word Yahweh. It is the covenant-keeping name of God. David is being specific that his thanksgiving is directed toward God, the, the God of Israel, the creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of lords and king of kings. I was returning from a trip not too long ago. I was in the Philippines, and as I was making my way back, I had a connection in, in Tokyo, and I was sat next to a couple on the plane. They had been uh, uh, vacationing in, 
in Japan. They originally were from Brazil, but they were on their way back to Chicago where their daughter now lives here on the North Shore. And as we started talking, they started to tell me all about the things that they had seen and done while they were in Japan. And they were telling me, oh, we love the Buddhist temples. The Buddhist temples are so wonderful. They're a place of such peace, a place of such tranquility. And in fact, when we get back to Chicago to visit with our daughter, uh, right close to where she lives, there's this thing called the Baha'i Temple. We're probably aware of it. It's right there in Wilmette. And they, they started to talk to me about the fact that they love going there and they love how all of these religions are sort of uh, uh, um, all brought together and that, that it's just a place of quiet, a place they can go to and reflect. And so I began to share with them about the one true God. I began to share with them about the person of Jesus Christ and about the importance of not simply looking to some amalgamation of different deities, not some simply higher power, but to the one who saves. You know, sometimes in our culture, there is this idea of the fact that giving thanks is a good thing. It's good for your health. It's good for your soul, people will talk about. But many of the people that you work with, many of the people that I come into contact with, many of the people we see from day to day have this idea that they're sort of speaking words of thankfulness out into the universe. But David reminds us of the fact that a wholehearted, a a glorious thanksgiving is first and foremost directed toward God. It matters to whom we are thankful, more than it matters what we are thankful for. We, We can list off many different things, and that's good. But to whom do we look? From whom have we received every good and perfect gift that we enjoy. He says, I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. And he goes on to say, before the gods, I sing your praise. David is showing us that his thanksgiving is one that is unashamed. Now, many scholars look at this particular passage, and we often try to fit the Psalms into different episodes in the life of David. Uh, We can't always do that. I know that you're studying together through 1 Samuel right now, and so I'm not quite sure where you are in the progression of the book, but we learn about many of the different episodes in David's life, and many scholars think that at this time that he's penning this psalm is when he's on the run from Saul, and he's hiding out amongst the Philistines. Now, if that's the case, then this certainly uh, would be the the fact that even as he finds himself there, surrounded by this pagan people, uh, surrounded by their idolatry, surrounded by their worship of false gods, that he he declares that my thanksgiving is unashamed. I am, uh, I, I am giving thanks to the Lord of heaven. I'm giving thanks to Yahweh, no matter what others may do, no matter where they may be looking, regardless of how they are celebrating their thanksgiving, I will unashamedly give thanks to you, the one true God. 
and certainly we who name the name of Jesus Christ, ought to unashamedly give thanks to the one true God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we want to be those who are bold in letting people know the one that we serve, the one to whom we are thankful. And for some of us, even as we gather around the table in our homes, this Thanksgiving an opportunity for us amongst unbelieving family, amongst unbelieving friends, or as we go into work this week, even though most of us are kind of counting down the days until, uh, until we can take our Thanksgiving break, and we're maybe not as, quite as productive this week as at other times of the year, as we're talking with our co-workers, are we unashamed in acknowledging that our thanksgiving is first and foremost directed toward our Lord and our God, the one who has shown such kindness and mercy toward us. David says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So not only does he give thanks to God with a wholehearted devotion, but he shows us, he reminds us here that his thanksgiving starts with God himself. Now, that seems pretty obvious, and we've seen that already in his opening statement, but this declaration that that I bow down toward your holy temple tells us of the direction of his praise. Now again, some have looked at this and they have tried to say, see, this is not original to David because the temple had not yet been built. That was built in the days of Solomon. But the word that is used here could refer to the tabernacle or simply to the idea of the place of God's presence. And so David here is is saying, essentially, I return again to your presence to give thanks to you. See, sometimes we can express our thanksgiving to one another. And so again, maybe on Thursday, if we do this around our table, if it's a practice in your family, we may say to one another, I'm thankful for. We may even go a step further and say, I'm thankful to God for, and then list out those various different things. But a vital part of our thanksgiving, in a sense, the place that we should go first is actually to come once again into the presence of God and to give him thanks. I'm reminded of how in Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers who come to Jesus. They come for healing. And mercifully, compassionately, Jesus heals them and they go on their way. And as we keep reading, we are told that one of them, only one of them returns to give thanks. Now, I suspect that those other nine went and they expressed thankfulness to everybody else that they met. They may be declared uh, uh, on what had happened to the people that they came across, but only one of them came back into the presence of Jesus to say thank you. And so a part of uh, a part of a true thanksgiving, a part of a wholehearted thanksgiving is when we not only acknowledge that God is the, the source of every good and perfect gift that we enjoy, but when we actually come once again and again and again before him and give thanks. 
for who he is and for what he has done. Certainly one of the reasons that we gather together Sunday by Sunday in obedience to the word of the Lord is to, is to come and to enjoy this corporate fellowship with one another, to sit under the teaching of the word, but it is also that we would, we would remind ourselves again of just how good God is. We gather together in God's presence in part as an act of thankfulness to God. And as David stresses here his thanksgiving He helps us to see why it is that God and God alone is worthy of thanks. And it is because of his steadfast love and his faithfulness. And so out of all of the things that David could have isolated, all of the things he could have drawn out, all of the things that he could have come up with on the list, he he focuses in on the very Nature, the character of God, saying, I give you thanks for your steadfast love and faithfulness because there is a sense in which everything else flows from that generous, unrelenting, kind and compassionate love and that never-ending faithfulness of God. In fact, this is how God introduced himself to the people of Israel. If we were to go back into the book of Exodus in chapter 33 and chapter 34, there's a sense in which we find there a passage that I like to refer to as God's business card. Uh, When he is introducing himself to his people, he declares to them that his steadfast love and his faithfulness is that by which he is to be known for all generations. And David is reminded that the reason that God and God alone is worthy of thanksgiving is because he is steadfast in his love, unrelenting. He is faithful and his faithfulness endures forever and ever. You see, the root from which true thanksgiving flows is the character of God. The root from which our thanksgiving flows is from the knowledge, from the understanding of the greatness of who he is. And what an incredible confidence that gives us to know that when we come before God, we come before one who is eternally faithful, who does not change, whose promise endures forever, we have reason to give thanks when we know and understand the greatness of our God because he is utterly perfect, utterly reliable, eternally faithful, and his loving kindness towards his children is without end. And though hopefully, as we're gathered here this morning, we know that we can recite that truth about his steadfast love and about his unending faithfulness. How often do we slow down enough to reflect on that again and to give thanks to him for who he is? For the great confidence that we have 
because he is such a faithful and unchanging God. In fact, David goes on to speak of this. He says, for you have exalted, this is still verse two, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And so we might say that the foundation of our thankfulness goes back to the nature of who God is. And as he, as he talks about the fact that God himself has exalted his name and his word above all things in all the universe, it is because God has proven himself time and time again. That is, that God's reputation is declared in all that he has said and all that he has done. Uh, To say that he has exalted his name above all things is a reference to the, the character of God tied up in the idea of the name of God is the very essence of his being. And to say that he has exalted his word above all things, is speaking of the fact that his word, his eternal declarative decree is certain, sure, faithful, and being worked out from eternity to eternity, that which God has spoken will come to pass. And so above all things, in all the universe, the glory of God's name who he is. And the declaration of his word, his faithful and true promise is to be exalted and to be given thanks for. We exalt all sorts of things. We celebrate all sorts of things, but the highest and greatest and most worthy of all is God himself for who he is and for what he has done. But David's thanksgiving also acknowledges that our God is a God who answers prayer. In verse 3, we see, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Again, we ought to constantly, like David, be amazed that the God of the universe, who upholds the whole universe by the word of his power, invites us to come and to spend time with him. That's a part of this entering into his presence with thanksgiving, coming before him with praise, uh, that we also get to bring our requests and make known to him our needs. And as we do that, that we can do so with this incredible knowledge that not only do we come boldly before the throne of grace, even as we sang about a little while ago, but that we do so coming before a God who delights to not only hear, but also to answer our prayers. And again, uh, these are simple truths in many respects within the Christian life, but we, uh, we need to return to them again and again and again. Isn't it good to know that our God hears our prayers? He, he hears, and not in the sense that he, he nods along and, okay, yep, I got it, okay. Not in the sense that he just takes a note and says, yeah, we'll see, maybe get to that later. 
But he, he delights to both hear and to answer prayer because it is within the very nature of God to be generous. It is in the very nature of God to be steadfast in his loving kindness and eternally and unendingly faithful. And so David here, as he's giving thanks, he says, on the very day that I called to you, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased Sometimes we know that God doesn't seem to answer our prayers in the way that we might hope or expect or in the time that we might have kind of set out for ourselves. We can find ourselves uncertain as to what he's doing in the midst of whatever the circumstance that we're going through is. But we have great confidence in the knowledge that God's ways and his time are so much better, so much greater, so much higher than ours. But nevertheless, David here reminds us of a glorious truth. He says, on the day I called, you answered me. You see, God does answer prayer. We don't know specifically what David's prayer was. We don't know the circumstance, the situation over which he was praying. But he tells us that the moment that he prayed, God gave an answer. And, and this is actually a promise that we have in the pages of Scripture. Many of us are familiar with Philippians chapter 4. There we are told that we are not to be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to make your request known to God. And then it continues, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now notice as David writes this here in Psalm 138, he says, on the day I called, you answered me, my strength of soul you increased. We don't know exactly what it is he was praying for, but when he prayed, that strength of soul, that weakness that he was feeling, that that fear, that, that uncertainty, God ministered into the midst of it. Just as Philippians 4 tells us, even though we present our requests and make them known to God, we may not immediately see everything that we expect to see. God, uh, God's ways is often different and so much higher and better than ours. But when we pray, our strength of soul, he will increase because he gives that peace that passes all understanding. And for some of us even here today, there are deep concerns on our heart. There are burdens that we are carrying and situations that we are facing, and we are longing for God to work in a mighty way in the midst of it. Keep taking those things back to him because he hears and yes, he answers. But take those things back to him because whenever you come into his presence, he gives peace. He strengthens our soul to endure even as we wait on him. And David shows us that that's one of the reasons that he can give thanks to God for the greatness of who he is. And when we consider the fact that we should give thanks to God for his love and for his faithfulness, 
it's appropriate, especially as we go into this week, that we, we should take time, like David, to, to imitate him by coming before God unashamedly, letting people know about the God to whom we are thankful and, and, and carving out time to return to him and to, to thank him for his goodness and his mercy in our lives. But David's not done because he goes on beginning in verse four and he shows us that acknowledging God's love and faithfulness will actually lead others to recognize that no one compares to our God. Notice he says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord for great is the glory of the Lord. Now, David, we think of as being a king. And again, we don't know exactly where this psalm connects with the different uh, seasons of his life. But we do know that he has been anointed king, even if he has not yet taken the throne over the people of Israel. And, And here in what he says, David seems to be looking forward to a time when all rulers, when all peoples will acknowledge the greatness of God and recognize him for who he is. And notice that the thanksgiving of which he is speaking, it flows, first of all, from hearing God's word. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And so thanksgiving, first of all, flows from having heard the word of the Lord. When we understand who he is, when, he underst- when we understand what he has done for us through Christ Jesus, that is what our thanksgiving flows out of. If ours is to be a right and proper thanksgiving, it begins with the truth of his word. And when we find it difficult in our lives, as sometimes we do, to know what it is that we should be thankful for. When we're going through hardship, when we're going through difficulty or uncertainty, sometimes I, I just don't know how to be thankful for anything right now. We can come again to his word because it gives us that right perspective. It reminds us of the truth of who he is and of what he has done. And David's desire here is that the word of God would so be proclaimed amongst the nations that even the rulers of all people would come to know and to recognize and to give thanks to him for who he is. And so thanksgiving not only flows from the word, but it results from seeing the ways of the Lord. And again, we see that right here in our passage in verse five. And they, still speaking of these kings, these rulers of the nations, and they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. So being reminded and reminding others of who he is and of what he's done. Setting it as our lives, in a sense, before others in that unashamed thanksgiving, it actually causes others to be able to see the greatness of who he is. There's a sense in which those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ ought to be the most thankful people around because we have come to know that every good thing that we have comes from him. But how tragic it is 
when those who name the name of Jesus Christ have an ungrateful attitude. How tragic it is when uh, we have a complaining spirit. Because uh, when that is true of us, there is a sense in which we have lost sight of the greatness of the God that we serve. And our lives are to stand as not only a proclamation of the word of God, but also a, an illustration of the works of God. Because we are those who should recognize his greatness and should recognize the fact that we are thankful because we are, while he is great, we are utterly undeserving. That he, the great and sovereign God, the one who is exalted above all things, that he should look down on such as us. Because we understand that every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of his perfect and holy standard. And yet, because he is steadfast in love and unending in faithfulness, because he is a God of mercy that he gave his son to die our death, to pay our debt, that we might live, that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled to our heavenly Father, And so again, here in this passage, as David is talking about a thankfulness to God, he roots it in the fact that our God is not only steadfast in love and faithfulness, but he is beyond compare. There is no other like him that through the proclamation of the word and through the testimony of the lives of God's people, that others would come to see that though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty, he knows from afar. That is, that, that God who is high and exalted also dwells with those who are lowly and contrite in spirit. That's what we come to the place of understanding when we surrender our life in obedience to Christ. We recognize that we bring nothing. That we bring nothing. Who else would do that? We live in a world where, where those who are exalted, those who are praised, those are, they're, they're the ones who promote themselves. They're the ones who, who, who show off the greatest abilities, but not so with our God. He is perfect. He is majestic. He is glorious. And yet he looks with mercy and with kindness upon the lowly. Oh, praise be to God. Where would you be? Where would I be if it were not for such mercy? And so David, David is rejoicing in the greatness of God and he's looking forward to a time where all people everywhere would likewise give thanks to God because they would see not only is he steadfast in loving kindness and mercy, oh, but there is no other who even begins to compare with him. Again, we live surrounded by people who are chasing after all sorts of different things, who are celebrating all sorts of different things and see it as the pinnacle of their life if they could ever achieve it. But there's nothing that compares to our God. Not one thing. And so he reminds us here 
the greatness of God. He shows us that one of the reasons why thanksgiving is so important in the believer's heart is that it reminds us again of our utter dependence upon God. One of the great maladies that we face even in the church is that we are quick to pat ourselves on the back and to give praise to ourselves over the great things that we have done. We compare ourselves too easily with others. We think to ourselves, well, I have what I have because I got a better education than they did, because I work harder than they do, because this and this and this. And we forget that everything that we have, we have because of the mercy of God. So we see that the lowly see themselves rightly before God. And that thanksgiving is a way in which we can keep walking in humility while the haughty are distant, while God separates himself from the proud. He draws near to those who humble themselves before him. And so we might say that thanksgiving keeps us walking in humility and it keeps us on guard against an arrogant heart. It is right for us to give thanks to God because he is worthy. It is right to give thanks to God because there is none that compare with him. It's right to give thanks to God because he is unchanging in his steadfast love and his mercy. And it is necessary to give thanks to God that our heart be rightly aligned in humility before him. And then the psalm closes out in verses seven and eight and shows us that God's love and faithfulness give us confidence for the future. And so God is is worthy to be praised, not just when things are easy, but at all times. And so David's uh, thanksgiving, in a sense, extends even to the midst of the trouble that he's in. As it says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. And you stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Your right hand delivers me. We see this idea that God's faithfulness in the past will meet us where we are today. That, that David has a confidence in God, even in the midst of troubles. He's not saying here, uh, I never face anything difficult because I'm a follower of God. And we know that that kind of uh, uh, view that some people teach, that if you're a follower of Christ, that life will be easy with no troubles, with no difficulty, that is patently false. But the reason that we have, just like David, to give thanks is that even in the midst of trouble, God is there with us. Even in the midst of difficulty, God's purpose is being accomplished just as we see here. And so he's able to say, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I mean, what a great confidence that is. If we're looking for reason to give thanks to God, isn't it wonderful to know that God will unfailingly, without question, without doubt, fulfill his purpose for us as people? Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 reminds us of the truth of this promise. There the apostle Paul writing to that young church is able to say, and I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What's that he's saying? God's not done with you yet. He is at work, even in the midst of your circumstances, even in the midst of the things that might seem to you uncertain or strange or a path that you might never have chosen for yourself. God will fulfill his purpose. And what is his purpose? Well, that passage, as we look at the context of it, shows us, or perhaps another passage even more clearly that some of us have maybe memorized from Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and following. We like to declare that. uh, We like to uh, talk about the fact that, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the very next set of verses tell us exactly what that is. And it is that we would be conformed to the likeness of his son. God's purpose in the lives of his people is our conformity to the likeness of Christ. And here in Psalm 138, just as we still today can proclaim with confidence, we rejoice and give thanks to the Lord regardless of our circumstances in the knowledge of the fact that God will and is and certainly will continue to fulfill his purpose in our lives. We have reason to give thanks. And we give thanks not so much because of our circumstances, but we give thanks because we who know Christ are in him. We belong to him and the God that we serve is worthy of praise and has made himself known to us. And the psalm closes here. As David says, do not forsake the work of your hands. So this seems strange because he seems to move from a great confidence to a statement that if we read it first of all may seem like one of uncertainty it's like God I'm, I'm afraid that you might forsake the work of your hands I'm afraid that you might forget me that you might forsake me but I think that what David in fact here is doing is that he is in a sense claiming a promise of God he is reminding God of his faithfulness to his promises and so for example throughout the the, the books of Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy we find many different uh, declarations of the faithfulness of God of the character of God uh, one of those that perhaps David had in mind comes from Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 There it says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And so if this was fresh in David's mind, as perhaps it was, or for us today as believers, uh, we think of how in the book of Hebrews, We can turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and and find the promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That this is not so much David crying out in fear, oh God, don't forget me, don't forsake me. But this is saying, God, I give you thanks for who you are 
in your steadfast love and unending faithfulness. I give you praise because you are beyond compare. I thank you that your purpose in me will be accomplished. And Lord, because I know you are faithful to your promise, do not forsake the work of your hand. He's able to stand and give thanks wholeheartedly, boldly, without shame. And he's able to do it because he knows the one that he is thankful to. What would it be like for us to have this kind of wholehearted thanksgiving in the midst of all of the other good things that you may have in store this week? Or for some of us, in the midst of something that on the one hand we're looking forward to, but on the other hand we're kind of dreading. Because we know that while we may gather around the table with some because of fractures in relationships, because of loved ones who have passed, that this is also going to be a time of grief, a time of difficulty, a time of heartache. How can we give thanks? We can do so knowing the one to whom we are giving thanks, remembering and reminding ourselves and one another of the greatness of who he is and doing that beyond just Thursday because we are called to a constant activity of giving thanks to our God who is worthy. And so what we find here in Psalm 138 is David, in a sense, leads us in worship of this great God is a reminder. For many of us, it's not something that is new. But instead, it is appointing us back again and again and again. Remember your God. Remember who he is. Remember what he has done. Just like when we come to the table of communion, remember the body given and the blood shed. Remember. Because it is when we remember that we recognize that our God is so worthy of thanks and praise. And when we remember we see again and again that steadfast love and that eternal and unfailing faithfulness. And it allows us with great confidence to keep on moving forward whatever the circumstance in the knowledge that our God will fulfill his purpose. And when we see on that final day in the presence of Christ, the splendor of all that he has done, even that which did not make sense as we were going through it, we will stand together with the saints in glory and for all eternity, we will continue to give thanks. Our God is worthy of our thanksgiving because no one and nothing compares to him in his steadfast love and his faithfulness. 
Father, we thank you.